Welcome to the History of North America. I'm Mark Vinette. Teddy Roosevelt faced many challenges at the end of his life, but none of that stopped him from attempting to reassemble the Rough Riders for a final charge against the Germans in World War I, pushing them into a likely suicide mission of a cavalry attack against 50 caliber machine guns. Let's sample a taste of what a fellow member of the Parthenon Podcast Network has to offer on this topic with an episode of History Unplugged with Scott Rank. Teddy Roosevelt had many heroic accomplishments in his life that he performed before and after he was president. He led the Rough Riders, a volunteer cavalry regiment in the Battle of San Juan Heights in the Spanish-American War of 1898. After his presidency, explored the Amazon River Basin. But what few people know is at the end of his life, in the 19-teens, just after the United States entered World War I against the Central Powers, tried to get the Rough Riders back together and form a regiment against the Germans that would mean riding out on horseback against 50 caliber machine guns and would very likely mean a suicide mission, or at least for anyone else but Roosevelt, who was used to facing impossible odds. We're going to look at the final years of Roosevelt's life with guest Bill Hazelgrove, author of the new book, The Last Charge of the Rough Rider. We look at his plans for another run of the presidency in 1920, the numerous books he wrote, but the challenges he faced at this time, particularly terrible health, since he was racked with rheumatism and embolism and pathogens in his blood. And although he wasn't able to raise up a volunteer cavalry regiment, what would have happened if he would have fought in World War I? This is an exploration of a chapter in the epic life of Teddy Roosevelt. If there were any other ex-president who made the rounds on media claiming that he was going to lead a military regiment and go directly into war, I would have 0% belief that were true. However, when we're talking about Teddy Roosevelt, I have more belief that he would actually jump back into the saddle, literally lead a cavalry charge into war as a man in his late 50s. So before jumping into the story, can you tell me about him and the Amazon? Roosevelt, after the election, goes down the Amazon, and this is so Roosevelt. He goes down to the river. It was called the River of Doubt on this expedition for the National Geographic Society, and he takes his son with him, Kermit. And, of course, things go bad. There's a murder that takes place. They're running out of food. They get lost. Roosevelt cuts his ankle, and the septic infection immediately sets in in the jungle. And he gets very ill. He says, look, leave me here. Go on. You can't take me out. I'll just die here. He has his morphine with him to carry him off. And his son says, no, I'm not leaving. Then that means Roosevelt realizes that his son will die too. So then that gets him out of the jungle. But again, this sort of action following defeat. But I will say the Amazon, of all the things that Roosevelt did, really probably broke his health more than anything else because he came out of it with a chronic infection, with malaria, other pathogens in his blood. He lost probably 40 to 50 pounds, and he never quite recovered from this big adventure. That helps frame the next chapter because, not to say that he has a death wish, but he is probably more cognizant than any other adventure that jumping into World War One could finish him off. And perhaps he doesn't see that as a bug, but a feature, going out gallantly with his last ounce of strength. Well, let's look at the request itself that he gives to Woodrow Wilson to lead his own regiment. What was this request, and 
it sounds crazy because when we think of World War One, we imagine machine gun nests mowing down people. But this isn't as crazy because we're still in the light of the late 19th century. Cavalry is a primary unit of any sort of military assault. So this isn't as crazy as it sounds, although it's still something. So what was this request and how did it make sense in the times? Well, Roosevelt, he always imagined or fantasized about getting the Rough Riders together. When Taft was president and trouble started in Mexico, he wrote a letter to Taft saying, hey, I can get the Rough Riders fired up and go down there and get Pancho Villa and these Mexicans who have been raiding the border and killing Americans and all that. Well, it didn't come about. And so he sort of shelved it. Well, World War One's on the horizon. And Wilson and Roosevelt, just to set the stage, hate each other, basically. Ever since Wilson beat him in 1912. And and also, they're very different men. Wilson is this sort of iconoclastic Princeton professor who's very interior. Roosevelt is all exterior. Roosevelt is just charge ahead. Wilson calls him a great big boy. And when war starts to appear on the horizon with Germany and ships are getting sunk, Roosevelt just basically roasts Wilson and calls him a coward, lily-livered skunk, a mollycoddle, everything he can think of to needle him into declaring war on Germany. And Roosevelt is merciless. But during this time, too, as war comes, Roosevelt starts writing Secretary Baker letters saying, listen, I can resurrect the Rough Riders. I will lead a division of Rough Riders against the Germans. And I can go over right away. And this is ignoring, as you said before, the war and changed. Warfare and changed. Now, most historians have glanced over this as just this crazy old man at the end of his life, kind of going off the rails. But that's just not true. If you look at the newspapers of the day, they're all for Roosevelt going. Big headlines that say Roosevelt to go to France, Roosevelt raising division, editorial saying Roosevelt should go over there. And basically what they're saying is, look, Americans are superior. We'll show these British and French how to fight. Because, again, there is no radio. We have no television. We're behind our oceans. We hear this crazy trench warfare, but there's no reality to it for us. In our last war, we had men on horseback charging each other. And again, the planes wars against the Indians, it was very one-sided. So Roosevelt coming along saying, you know what, I can do this, and people support him. Well, he starts to elaborate this with Baker, who he drives crazy, basically, because Baker writes him back saying, listen, you know, this has to go through Congress, and this is not really something we want to do. Well, Roosevelt ignores him and says, no, no, I've got a whole plan. So he writes him basically a 16-page letter outlining his division. He's going to have machine gun division. He's going to have an ambulance division. So it's sort of like a super rough riders, if you will. And I will lead it. Roosevelt felt that a lot of times they didn't want to use their manpower for his division or their officers. So Roosevelt's like, you know, I don't need any of your officers. But at the same time, the military establishment couldn't stand Roosevelt. Why? Because they have a very long memory and they remember how he hogged all the glory in 1898 with Spain and how he wouldn't follow orders and basically eclipsed the regular army. And you think about it. Here's the regular army that was sent over to Cuba to fight the Spanish. And here comes this guy with his cowboys and takes basically says, I won the war. The military couldn't do anything. So they don't want that repeated. So this is sort of the setup, if you will. And it's coming down to Henry Cabot Lodge, who is Roosevelt's best friend. 
And also loathes Woodrow Wilson. He lodged famously said, I never thought I'd loathe anybody as much as I do Woodrow Wilson. And that's because they're basically really alike. They both think they're the smartest guys in the room. And Lodge is a Republican leader. Well, he gets through the House. Amazingly, this wasn't just a crazy notion. He gets Roosevelt's division past the OK through the House. So the headlines then all over the United States are Roosevelt going to France. The resolution passes the House. All Woodrow Wilson has to do is sign off on it. It's attached to the draft bill. War has been declared. And Roosevelt's all set to go. So Congress has said, yes, we back this. We back you going over there with your 250,000 men. And Roosevelt boasted this is how many had signed up. Men all over the country wanted to go with him. And this was taken out of the fantasy realm, very much. This was not this crazy notion, which is sort of history sort of handed to us that this was just some sort of little weird footnote. It really wasn't. And the British and the French desperately wanted Roosevelt to come over. They thought this would be great. I mean, they are losing the war. The Germans are just plowing them down. And they think if Roosevelt goes over there, comes over, gets killed, which he probably would, Great. The United States is in it lock, stock, and barrel. And what a great PR thing. So really, Roosevelt, he's getting support from all sides, and the press is supporting him. And it's really up to Woodrow Wilson. President Wilson ultimately rejected Roosevelt's plan and refused to make use of the volunteers. Disappointed, Teddy Roosevelt disbanded the unit. Join me next time as we resume our regular series narrative. Check out the YouTube version of this episode, which has accompanying images. We would love to grow our audience. To help, please share this podcast with a friend or family member. I'm Mark Vinette, and I hope you're enjoying the ride. The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ.